Yes, if you would take out the copy of your scriptures, and we will be in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. These are the very words of the Lord. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Let's pray. Father, indeed, you are immortal, invisible, almighty God. And yet, and yet... For those in Christ, we get to call you Father. And so today, as we hear your word, the very words of eternal life, Lord Jesus, through your spirit, would you cut to the heart of who we are and help us to see who you really are, Lord. Spirit, we know that you you will do that. And so we praise you, Jesus, that we can come and worship you now. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, again, I'm Steve Thompson. I serve as one of the elders here at La Crescent Evangelical Free Church. Pastor Dan is on vacation, so uh, I'm substituting for him today. He's the main pastor of preaching. So we're going to hit the pause button on the series that he is preaching from in the book of Romans and take a look at what God says to us in this Old Testament book of Micah in chapter 6, verse 8. And by the way, uh, the book of Micah is one of those that is so unique and and God has something to, to show us today that is so good. And the title of this message is Father Knows Best. And in the 1950s, there was a television show of that same name, Father Knows Best. And it was a show that depicted a family that had wholesome values, who were guided by a wise and trustworthy father through the ups and downs of life. He was looked up to as a dad who knew what was best because his requirements were good, even when he disciplined And so this meant life was about doing right, showing kindness, and walking humbly under Father's good guidance. Invariably, the family would drift away, though, but he could be trusted to bring them back to what's best. Yes, that's the imagery of the good, good, heavenly Father that we worship today. He does justly. He he loves kindness. Even when he disciplines, he can be trusted to know what's best for his family. That's who he is. He's the good, good father. And even when the family strays from his guidance, God's love is immutable, which means it's unchanging. And take note, Scripture says that God's love is that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are never burdensome. And so there are three points in this message today that God's going to show us what is good and what he requires of us. Here they are, the three main points. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. 
Now, by the way, these three points are not a prescription to a carefree life. They're not a to-do list, as if we could do all that and find favor with God. They're not about what we ought to do, but who we ought to be. And who we ought to be is a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the epitome of Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He does what is just. He loves kindness. He walks humbly with his heavenly Father. God in Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, always knows what's best. His requirements are always good. Let's take a look at the first point here. Do justice. To do justice means to do what is right, just, and fair. Doing what is right embraces truth. However, Israel, God's very own people, had not done what was right. They had not embraced truth. In fact, God had an indictment against his people. They were worshiping idols and forgetting all that God had done for them. And, and here's Micah chapter 6, verse 2. Take a look at this. God says, Here you mountains the indictment of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people and he will contend with Israel. Now let me ask a question. In today's culture, what would God's indictment be for his people, the church? Are we worshiping idols and forgetting all that God has done for us? Are we lukewarm when it comes to doing justice? What's the answer then to who God wants us to be as La Crescent Evangelical Free Church and as individuals when it comes to doing what is right, just, and fair. And here's the answer. It's to be like the Heavenly Father. Be like Daddy, capital D, Abba Father. Trust Him. He knows best. Have a heart like Christ, which is gentle and lowly. Take, for example, Jesus' encounter with the Gerasenes' demoniac here was a man possessed by many demons scripture says he lived among the tombs crying out night and day cutting himself no one could control him and no one could help him in a seemingly hopeless situation jesus did justice he sent the demons out of the man into a herd of pigs then told him Go and tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you. You know, when you think about that, God never does anything that is unjust. But you might be saying, well, now wait a minute, Steve. What about Jesus' crucifixion on the cross? Wasn't that one of the most unjust and unfair events in history? It appears that way, doesn't it? However, in order for God to do justice with regard to sin, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin in order that in him we might be made right with God. Christ willingly 
paid the debt for his people on the cross. And Charles Spurgeon put it this way. Spurgeon, a preacher from the 1800s, says this, Unless God can be so unjust to demand double payment for one debt, no soul for whom Jesus died as a substitute can ever be cast into hell. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Justice defeated injustice. God's wrath was satisfied. Sinners are set free in Christ. That's the gospel, the good news message of the cross. So, what does it look like for us to do justice in a culture where injustice abounds and moral values are steadily eroding? Well, there are opportunities to do justice, to be an advocate for the least, the lost, and the lonely, and to display the gentle and lowly heart Christ. What about these situations? Think about this. What about situations where women are considering abortion? What about the family who struggles to make ends meet and needs child care? What about the elderly man or woman that's homebound or residing in a health care facility and who just wants someone to come and visit them. These are people and situations to live out a heart for Christ and to do justice. And here at La Crescent Evangelical Free Church, there are opportunities to do just that. For example, if you have a heart to pray, laugh, and cry with elderly Come on Thursdays and, and, and be with us at our nursing home ministry, at one of the local nursing homes. If you have a heart for children, volunteer to help with child care in the Sunday morning nursery or at the bi-monthly meetings of the mom-to-mom -mom ladies group. Consider serving in such organizations as Birthright, Embrace Grace, and Save Families. Those organizations advocate building healthy relationships in the lives of families, especially women and their babies, both born and unborn. And by the way, the elders are examining ways that La Crescent Evangelical Free Church could best support and serve these organizations. And in fact, there are a few of you right here at the church that are already volunteering with this organization, Safe Families. Nate and Chelsea Steen are doing that at this time. Ask them about their experience to serve others in this regard. Because in the Bible, God says this. Look at this. God says that we are to be doers of His Word and not just hearers. Take a look here in James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Who will be a doer of the word like the Lord Jesus? Who will be an advocate for justice in the life of the unborn or the newborn? Who will be an advocate for the elderly homebound or those in a health care facility 
Will that advocate for justice be you or me? When Scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself, will we be hearers or doers? Because when we're doers of God's word, we're following the good, good Father who knows best. And when we're following the good, good Father who knows best, doing justice synchronizes in perfect harmony with wanting to love kindness. And that brings us to the second point. To love kindness is the covenant-keeping kind of love. It says, I'll love you no matter what. And the Hebrew word for this kind of love is hased. Hased, love is completely undeserved kindness. Christ Jesus' love is hased love. His love surpasses all knowledge, Scripture says. And remember, love and kindness are genuine when they are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Here's Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law to love kindness is to love those who are unlovable whether friend or foe to love kindness stems out of a delight and joy in who God is to love kindness is genuinely motivated from a heart that treasures the God who created others in his own image. It's a reflection of God's said love, the kind of love that loves kindness. Many of you remember the account in the Bible of the Good Samaritan, that parable that Jesus told of a man who loves kindness and mercy. He, he was a Samaritan, and Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jews, and yet he stopped to help a man robbed, beaten, and left for dead on the side of the road. And meanwhile, a priest and a Levite passed by on the other side. The Good Samaritan's compassion indicated the love for kindness, a desire to love mercy even for the unlovable. A love like that cannot be concocted or manufactured. The only way we can love like that is to have a heart that treasures God as the Father who knows best, the one who loves kindness. Think about this. What is the most important commandment in the Bible? Here's the answer. I see some of you, you know it. Here's the answer from Mark chapter 12. Verses 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. When Jesus spoke those words, a scribe responded with the following statement. To love God with all of the heart and with all understanding 
and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than whole burnt offering and sacrifices. In other words, to love kindness is more valuable than the finest and costliest offering or sacrifice. And if you read chapter 6 of Micah, and I would encourage us to do this, you'll see God asking this question. He says, with thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil or even sacrificing a firstborn child for sin, please God. God says no. No, only God knows best when he tells that he, des that he desires mercy and not sacrifice. And in Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees, who were the Jewish religious leaders of the day, they were very good at loving sacrifice but not loving mercy. They prayed, tithed, and knew the law up one side and down the other. However, they grumbled when Jesus had mercy on tax collectors and prostitutes and lepers. In essence, the Pharisees looked down their self-righteous noses at Jesus and others. You can just hear it now, can't you? glad I'm not like that person. If only they could be like me. Let's ask ourselves, who do I look down my self-righteous nose at? To love kindness is to love mercy, which is God-honoring. The Lord Jesus honors his heavenly Father, and in honoring his Father, Christ is the only one to love kindness perfectly. His loving kindness and mercy were displayed on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And all those who receive that good news, who believe in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. And because God knows best, all of his children are adopted into his family, saved from the power and penalty of sin through the cleansing blood of Christ shed on the cross. How about you? Have you received by faith through God's grace alone the loving kindness and mercy of Jesus to save you from your sins? Do you realize that God shows the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward all believers in Christ. And I had a lady come up to me at a, at a nursing home a few years back, and she said, why would anyone reject that good news message of the rich grace and mercy of God in Christ? Why would anyone reject that and I thought about that and as I was preparing this lesson I, I, I was thinking if you're not trusting Christ today why is that and, and, and you can either reject the gospel or receive it what will you do today if you're not trusting Christ 
Because for those who receive Christ, if you know him as Lord and Savior, you know that there is an immeasurable delight in walking humbly with your God. And that takes us to our final point. Walk humbly. And you know to walk humbly with God is a very good thing, but it can be a very difficult thing too. Walking humbly with God means keeping in step with Him and not running ahead. It's sort of like power walking. If you've ever done that, Power walking involves a, a brisk pace and yet being disciplined enough not to run. You resist that urge to run. And walking humbly with God involves a disciplined pace, which means keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Here's Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 on that. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. In the various translations of the Bible, walking by the Spirit is defined as followed. To keep in step to follow or surrender. Those words imply a humble submission to the Spirit. However, our flesh, the world, and the devil would rather we walk in the flesh and gratify the desires of the flesh. As Scripture states, these two are opposed to each other. In essence, there is a war being waged on the inside. Whether we'd like to, to admit it or not, there is a war being fought within ourselves. This war is waged on the battlefield of our heart. Now, if you know Scripture, you, you know about King David. David was a man after God's own heart. And even so, David was a sinner just like you and me. And amidst the wars, the bloodshed, the murder, and adultery that marred David's life, he knew God knows best. David realized that walking humbly with God was a matter of having a humble heart. Here's Psalm 51, verse 17, which is a psalm of David written after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Listen to that, church. A broken and contrite heart is the key to walking in humility with God. Walking humbly with God implies submitting to his authority. Since he is the good, good father who knows best, you'd think all of us would aspire to be obedient and to walk humbly with God. But we don't. Instead of submitting to God's authority, we'd rather do what we want to do. And in fact, our sinful flesh can rise up in pride and say this, I want to be God. I know what's best. 
John Piper, author, pastor, and founder of Desiring God Ministries, says this about humbly submitting to God's authority. Quote, I have to feel and think and say and act in a way that shows I am not God. And so that means, church, that, that every fiber of who we are, our feelings, words, thoughts, and actions, humbly submit to God. But who can do that? None of us. And so we have to look to Jesus. We have to depend on Him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's a perfect example I wanted to share with you of Jesus walking humbly with God. Take a look at Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Picture this. Here is Jesus, fully God and fully man, in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he was betrayed. Scripture says his sweat was like great drops of blood falling to the ground as he prayed. Here is the Lord himself praying earnestly to his Father that not his will, but the Father's will be done. Here is the perfect one who obediently humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. We, we can't humble ourselves perfectly like, like that, but we can strive to be like Jesus. In fact, the Lord calls us to follow him in this regard. As the Apostle Paul writes here, I want to take a look, us to take a look at this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. How about us? When you see that scripture, you hear that scripture, how about us? Would the true intentions and desires of our heart exemplify walking humbly with God? What's in our hearts anyway? Is there arrogance or humility? Is there forgiveness or resentment? The answer to these questions is a litmus test to the authenticity of whether we're walking with God or not. So as I wrap this message up, <laughs> as I was preparing this sermon, the Holy Spirit was convicting me. And he was inspiring me too, because all the preachers from this pulpit are inspired by the Spirit of God when they speak. But this conviction was, practice what you preach. And admittedly, I don't live and own God's word as much as I think I do. I forget, like the Israelites, what the Father says is best. I drift away from the truth that his commandments are not burdensome. He is truly 
the good, good father who loves his sons and daughters with a steadfast love, a said love. So ponder this question. What would be the impact? Now listen closely, church. What would be the impact on the world, the nation, our community, if the church, including La Crescent Evangelical Free Church, lived out Micah chapter 6, verse 8? And get this. Unless God shows us what is good, we have no ability to do justice, love kindness, or to walk humbly with Him. And remember, no matter how many costly offerings we were to, to, to offer to God, the thing that really matters is having a heart for loving God above everything. Nothing could be better than that. And again, Micah 6, verse 8 is not a to-do list. It's not about what we ought to be doing. It's about who we ought to be in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, we have to look to Jesus. He's our only hope. He received injustice in order that God's justice was satisfied on the cross. His love for kindness means sinners like you and me who receive Him by faith have freedom from the penalty of sin and death. Jesus walks humbly with His Father, and we can too. Even as we are expected to work out our own salvation with fear, that's what Scripture says, to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, we need to remember that it is always God who works in us to will and to work for His good pleasure. Trust Him. He knows best. Let's pray. Father, we... I don't know what... I don't know what words to say right now, God, in this prayer. But I do know this that you are the good, good Father, and that you do know best. And so as we walk today, God, as we leave this place where you have showed us your word, that, that the very words of eternal life, would, would, is this who we are? Help us to ask that question, God, and, and then show us that, that to, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you is a heart that treasures you. May the world see that, Father, and may it change us, and may it change our family, our friends, those who would be around us. To Spirit, lead us in that regard, we ask you today, and we do that in Jesus' name. Amen.